This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. Joining me this week, two bits of a bite funneled through a layer of cryptography I will never understand. Tia Vasiliu. Hello. And our very special guest for this episode, Henry Barajas. Good to be back. Henry, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Could you tell the folks at home a little bit about yourself before we get too deep into this episode? (laughs) Yeah, my name is Henry Barajas. Um, I am from Tucson, Arizona, and I write comics, wrote uh, the most recent thing, uh, Elm Grey Castle, with a bunch of amazing people, Brian Valenza, Ramat Hondoko, Claire Napier. Gabrielle Downey that had some amazing uh, role-playing games, one-shot RPG games by Tristan J. Tarwater and Jeffrey Golden with art by Jen Vaughn. And uh, you might know me from my comic, La Vos de Mayo Thought the Rambo, that was featured here by Tia. And that's about my great-grandfather, who was a World War II veteran and a political activist that helped one of the last Native American tribes gain federal recognition. I am currently the sales manager at Oni Press. That's me. That's all I want you to know about. Nothing else. <laughs> all right. Well, we won't we won't dive any further, I guess. Oh, my gosh. Busy guy. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming on the sure. show. We're really excited to have you back. Um, I guess before we get too deep into things and I ask those legally mandated questions that I have on every episode, I got two things to announce. Uh, I want to shout out some of our latest Patreon members, Peter and Thundercat666. Thank you guys so much for joining recently. We hope that you're enjoying all the exclusive Patreon series like Giant Days of Our Lives, a read-along series for the series Giant Days. Uh, saga of saga a read-along series for the series saga the ircb movie club where paul brian and myself you know watch movies every three months it's fantastic stuff there's so much out there we're really excited to have you guys as well one other thing i will say kind of in that same vein is that we have a very very special announcement about our next patreon series it's our biggest series yet it is unbelievable the scope and scale that this this next thing is and i don't want to spoil it so make sure you listen to next week's episode our big annual seventh annual episode it's going to be a monster i'm i'm very excited it's going to be me paul kara nick we're talking about all sorts of things but get ready for that big announcement next week as well so let's get into talking about comic books i have two legally mandated questions like i said that i have to ask for every single episode that is how have you been how have comic books been let's start with you tia Hi, um, I've been okay. I would like to quickly give a quick pool party update to our Discord listeners. Um, there's currently mm. a, a pool party that my neighbors are having. One of my neighbors is a m- bigger crazy cat lady than I am, and she has just joined the pool party with her two cats. Are the cats swimming? Uh, they do not appear to be yet, but I would not put it past her. Oh, you can you can watch this happening. <laughs> yeah it's just oh, okay. outside my window i can see it happening oh my gosh <laughs> um maybe one day i can aspire to that level of crazy cat lady but uh, my current cat holiday despises all other living things and being on her harness so i don't know we'll see <laughs> one day you'll build up to getting a holiday to go swimming i'm very excited to maybe, see that video maybe Um, So anyway, how have comics been? Comics have been okay. I recently um, read a book called The Science of Surfing, A Surfside Girl's Guide to the Ocean by Kim Dwinnell, which is a top shelf IDW book. And it is a very sweet all ages book. It goes into the science of the ocean, waves, tides, all that sort of thing. There's two other books in the series. um, And they, I think they're fiction books like two little girls, um, kind of Nancy Drew, but like with a surfer setting. And so the two little girls um, are the same characters in all three books. And so they kind of narrate the the science and the factoids in this one. And apparently there's also going to be an Apple TV Plus series. So that's cool. Um, but yeah, anyone who's interested in surfing, science, marine biology, it's a it's a really cute book. There's um, like really good illustrations that make all the scientific concepts very understandable, very clear. Things like waves are energy that move the water molecules and how tides are affected by the moon and how the surface weather creates energy that like affects the waves and it hits the ocean floor to make swells. And there's also a section on like seabirds, tide pools, ocean creatures, 
the terrifying mystery that is dolphins. Um, I, just that, I just learned not from this book because then it would not be all ages, but I just learned that that there's like a lot of lesbian dolphins and they have like a developed clitoris and they just like have sex for pleasure, wow. which is awesome. Like get it dolphins. Yeah. But anyway, that would not be appropriate for this book. And it was not included. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it also breaks down surfing, right? Like some people know when, when I moved back to California, I took up surfing. It's really fun. It's really hard work. And so the book talks about like, what does it mean to be goofy footed, which I am, um, and how to paddle and get used to the movement and popping up and all of that. Um, I'm terrible at paddling, but pretty good at popping up. And um, so, yeah, it was a super cute book. I have two critiques and I feel like they're kind of significant ones. Mm-hmm. Um, one is that the two little girls who narrate the book are both drawn absolutely rail thin. And now this book mm-hmm. isn't drawn in like a hyper-realistic way. It's drawn in a ch- like a children's book illustration way. And so I understand that style. It's very economical. It's uncluttered, especially when you're doing like you know, scientific concepts. It, you know, it's very simple and, and kind of clear-cut. But... I, I hate that that automatically means that the figures have to be really angular, especially as a little girl who was not myself a real thin angular little girl. It's just it's so hard to constantly see little girls portrayed that way. It makes you feel like you're not allowed to be a little girl anymore because like childhood freedom is somehow a characteristic of being really thin. And so that was kind of like frustrating. And then another thing that is really frustrating for me is that, and I feel like I'm kind of maybe veering out of my lane a little here, so I'm going to speak very carefully, mm-hmm. but like Polynesian people invented surfing like a thousand years ago. And we know oh, this because there are right. like paintings from a thousand years ago that show them surfing. Like they could have even invented it sooner, you know? But anyway, like there's a strong visual component to the origin of surfing and the and its roots in indigenous Polynesian people. And you're like making a graphic novel. So why wouldn't you touch on that? You know, like it's well within the scope of this book and it feels like a really big omission. Hmm. And then like kind of going back to my other critique, especially since there's two narrators, like one of them couldn't have been specifically depicted as Polynesian Because, like, both of the girls are, like, sort of racially ambiguous. So I guess if you really wanted to, you could make one in your mind Polynesian. Mm -hmm. But that really feels like a cop-out to me. I really would have loved to see one of the girls, like, be specifically called out visually as Polynesian. And the author says the two little girls are created after her and her best friend as children. And I totally get that. But, like, the author is a blonde white lady from San Diego. And this isn't an autobio, like book it's a fiction book and this one particularly is also like a a science book and so i mean white ladies come on like we can do better we can think outside of ourselves especially when we're touching on something that doesn't really belong to white people and it just seems like a really big oversight also there's a whole section in the book on conservation and like marine conservation which she doesn't even talk about indigenous Pacific Islander led conservation. And that's like a pretty big component of that. So I don't know. Mm. There's, there's these glaring emissions that I, I would. You said it was out through top shelf, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of. <laughs> Does that sound about right to you? Yeah. About white. Um, <laughs> the other well, thing. It's interesting. <laughs> Looking at this book, it came out in what? 2000. It came out in 2021. I figure with December, like yeah. Moana being a thing for the last how many however many years like it's like clear that there is a want and need for for, to tell those types of tales like with the people who like who would originate that story at least to touch on it you know to go into the history of it so yeah that's kind of surprising and like you know it's the same little girls from the the series and it Mm -hmm. first came out in 2017 but still like i i just don't think that is any excuse anymore um which isn't to say that it isn't still like a really good science book, but like, you know, I don't, th- I think that we need to stop saying like, oh, it's fine, except for it like er- erases, you know, this really important like indigenous role in surfing or in, you know, you just like, we can't do that anymore. No, that's true. You're right. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
unless you don't care, you know, unless that's you don't care. what's been happening. And, you know, right. I'm sure whoever wrote this book wasn't educated themselves. Probably so not. It's just like a I've read long it. history of people just passing down this like very privileged thing. Yes. She's, you know, she grew up on the beach. I've read, I've read interviews with her talking about it. Like she's very sincere. She loves the, the ocean. She loves surfing. She grew up at the beach. So like, I get it. Um, but like I said, like white ladies, we have to think outside of ourselves. We can do better. Hmm. And like, speaking of that, I'll also just mention that this weekend there, there was an underwater volcano that erupted in the Pacific Island nation of Tonga and they are facing communication disruptions, water contamination, volcanic ash in the air. There's flooding and no deaths have been reported, but that could also be because there's the communication disruption. Um, and either way, it's still a really scary natural disaster. Like I live across the street from the beach in Southern California. We're under a tsunami warning. Yeah. That was not on my 2022 no. Amazon bingo card. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so, you know, um, it was a, uh, it was a coincidence that I read this book and then that happened, but it seemed worth mentioning. Definitely. Yeah, well, uh, Henry, what about you? How have you been? How have comic books been? Have you read anything interesting recently? Yeah, I've been great. Um, I I um, haven't been public with this, but I did uh, contract the coronavirus ah. to steal uh, Magic Johnson's. Never mind. Um, yeah, no, I got I got I got COVID during the holidays, so I've been quarantined ah. a lot, and that was not what I wanted to do. You know, I was really mm-hmm. excited to go to Tucson, where I'm from, and be social and see people I haven't seen in a long time, and and I somehow got it and i you know did the right thing and just closed myself off from the world but i did a lot of cycling while i was in tucson and my sister was very adamant that we went cycling which i'm glad we did because i had a good time but you know i i had coronavirus and i'm sure she got it but she didn't care so um while i was sick i was able to you know do a lot of cycling and there's this trail in tucson called the loop and as i was Going forward, I could see this bobcat like climb out of the desert onto the trail. What? <laughs> yeah, and I don't know if you haven't seen a bobcat. Please Google it. They sit on cacti, like they're like amazing, beautiful, majestic creatures. And it sat in the middle of the road, looking at my sister and I. And like, if she wasn't there because I turned around, she was scared out of her mind. Like she was going to turn around. Mm-hmm. But I like would have gone up to it because it was so it looked like so not like it was so nice, but it could have like tore me to pieces if it wanted. <laughs> like it's not like holiday, which probably could tear me to pieces. I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, she, th- so. she certainly likes to think she could. <laughs> so that was really cool. Um, but yeah, my best fr- I got to quarantine in my best friend's like mom's apartment and uh so I was really lucky that I was still able to like self-isolate in Arizona and not leave the area. So um, I watched a lot of TV. I watched The Leftovers. I don't know if anyone's seen that, but that was a really good show. Um, real big. I'm like, I'm watching the show like 20 years later. So, but that was, um, is that the show where like, like a certain percentage of like the yeah. people dis- disappear in the world and everyone just has to deal with it or something? Yeah, that's kind of like what's happening now. Um, but it's really <laughs> amazing. But um, so well, on my way to Tucson, I stopped at this really cool uh, comic shop called Ash uh, Ave. And I picked up some like really old comics. And one of them was uh, Commandy, The Last Boy on Earth, uh, number two, Yo. which is a huge like deal for me because um, I got to do something recently that like involves Kirby and I'm really, really honored and I can't wait to talk about it. But um, I did get to write the Avengers. So I've just been super grateful of Jack Kirby in my life, who's like dead and I've never talked to. But I feel like, you know, his like work has been able to get me paid in ways that like I'm really grateful for. And uh, so, yeah, I got to read that. And since I work at Oni Press, I have to go back into like, you know, and just read everything. So I've been reading a lot of Scott Pilgrim again and I've, Nice. I feel like I'm 16 years old <laughs> when I read that comic, uh-huh. uh, which I was when I saw it and read it. And it's like um, a fun, like revisiting of your youth. And uh, 
uh, there's some really cool comics coming out like uh, Dirtbag Rapture. I don't know if anyone's read that book, but oh man, I I cannot get enough of that book. I yeah. don't like it's such a such a like strange concept that I I constantly have questions about, and I I love it. Yeah, yeah. totally love that book. Yeah, I don't know if if something's dead or dying in it, I pretty much buy it. So. That's kind of, <laughs> but I, I'm I'm writing a new like uh, book and it's all it's nonfiction again and it's a true crime and I'm currently reading this um, this prose uh, indecent advances by James Polchin. Uh, mm-hmm. It's this interesting uh, queer history about how the when there was like that gay men were like you know, cornered and beaten and killed. And the way the media would report it was like as a mystery and how deep they like really sold how devious it was. And so it's kind of the birth of true crime because that's what like they were writing in the papers and people were like following these narratives. So Hmm. um, yeah, it's an interesting book. So if you're interested in like why we are fascinated by um, true crime, it's because uh, (laughs) the press would write about, how indecent it was and how cruel and deviant and criminal and you know it's it's pretty messed up so yeah that's if anyone's into books you check that out gotcha yeah i what was the name of that again i'll make sure to jot that indecent advances a hidden history of true crime and prejudice before stonewall gotcha yowza pretty yeah, grim uplifting stuff, stuff. <laughs> i was gonna say <laughs> uh well geez uh well i guess um for me i have been i have been like heads down in all sorts of weird books recently like i i've been trying to dig through some of like the old just like graphic novels i've bought in different sales and stuff um i will say like i guess before i talk about comics i uh am currently in the process of changing jobs so i'm i found a new job somewhere Congrats. else uh, outside of Amazon. Yeah, thank you so much. Um and so I will be moving over to another new company in the near future, but um because of that I've been like massively stressed and uh, cuz you know, leaving a job can be extremely complicated sometimes and um so I've just been reading a lot of things that have been giving me a lot of comfort and have been really like I guess easy to read. Uh, awesome. and so I read uh this book called Gert in the Sacred Stones. Uh, this is like a Italian or French translated book. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's written by Marco Ro- uh, Rocci, uh, il- illustrated by Francesca Carita, and uh, translated by Jamie Richards. Uh, and I I don't know what it is about this book. This is published by Dark Horse, but it's it's a story about like lizard people and humans and how they're fighting against each other because of this ancient god thing and it's like a it's a YA book and the whole book is kind of premised on this idea of this young girl who who wants to basically get revenge for her parents getting killed and kind of the story of the book is sometimes you don't need to get revenge to feel justified and 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 find justice and it's a really like positive story i think to to try to tell the kids because like it's it's very in your face like these people die but and this little girl is very upset and so like in any typical action movie you'd see someone just go off and i'm gonna kill those people who killed my family um but by the end of the book you find that there's actually a lot more going on and the story is extremely complex but also told in a very straightforward way. And I found it to be super enjoyable. So I'd, I'd really recommend that if you're looking for a YA book that has a good message, really interesting world building, the art's really fun. And yeah, I was, I was really surprised by the, the overall message of it um, at the end, because like, like I said, I feel like you can kind of plot out the course of a story like that. And this really surprised me in how it ended itself. The other book that I've been reading recently uh, is Superman, Son of Kal-El, number one through six. This is Tom Taylor, John Timms, uh, I think everybody in their their sibling has been talking about this book in some capacity, whether it's positive or negative. But uh, someone I know who's not who's on, I guess, on the other show that I produce called The Great Pop Culture Debate. If you haven't heard of it, you should check it out if you want to hear a bunch of people argue about pop culture in a really funny, comedic way. And he recommended his name is Bob. He recommended this book to me. And uh, I bought number one. 
and I fell in love with it immediately. The story of of Superman's son, Jonathan, basically becoming the new Superman of Earth and being a bit more just modern about things, you know, like Superman's whole thing is I need to protect everyone, but he always takes a step back and, you know, he always lets superheroes go or supervillains go. Whereas Jonathan's like, no, I'm going to be a different Superman. I'm actually going to take action. I'm going to get into the middle of things that are ethically wrong and say, you know what? You can't do that because I'm the most powerful person on the planet and I'm trying to do what's right by the people. Oh, wow. It's really like Tom Taylor is like he's I don't know how to describe this. Tom Taylor is like Mark Millar if without all of the violence and like misogyny that ends up in a lot of his books. Um, So like there's a really (laughs) I don't know. Um, I, I, li- I like Mark Millar's books, but I think like Tom Taylor really gets out to tell a punchy cinematic story without being offensive. Um, and he doesn't he doesn't pull his pull his punches when he's trying to actually get a message across when he wants to say like someone's doing something bigoted uh, in the public world that we live in. Um, he'll make a great obvious homage to it in his comics. Like he did it in a Suicide Squad run. He's doing it in this book. Um, and it's it's been really great. And, you know, this is the book that everyone, I think, has been screaming about, like, oh, Superman's got a boyfriend. Like, if you read the book, it all makes sense. And I don't know why anyone would be upset by a single fucking page or a panel on a page. So ugh, it's so good. And, and John Timms's art really captures everything that, in my opinion, makes big two comics work. Lots of action, rippling muscles, drama in every single panel. all about it is everything about it is just kinetic and very vibrant and it makes for an overall just pleasant reading experience i flew through the first five issues of this i'm so excited for the seventh issue to come out um i think next week or this week and it's amazing it's a great book hands down probably one of the best big two books that i'm reading right now it may not be everyone's cup of tea this isn't like an immortal hulk type of situation where this is like a an epic thing that's going to change the comics landscape for a character but i think this is a really really solid book i mean he's like built a character yeah that's i think what's beautiful about it yeah it's amazing and i mean danny in the chat saying damian wayne is his best friend is very fun um, yeah I, I mean they're I, the same I, age and they like teamed up together they have a history yeah no it's a really cool like i'm really grateful for these you know characters getting refreshed mm-hmm. in such a like true way yeah I, and i really think this is going to make like a great collected edition like to gift to someone like if i know any teenaged person that wants to get in this big two comics i this is like a go-to book i think for me oh Um, yeah definitely think that would work better than you know justice league or anything brian michael bendis is writing you know like (laughs) um anyways the last thing i'll say um have you guys heard of this uh usagi yojimbo book yeah it's really (laughs) low-key it's like it's pretty slept on uh no (laughs) i mean Uh, you know I've been no, no, I'm kidding. This is like probably one of the most popular comics in you know forever. But uh, I just started getting really into it, and I'm reading through the Fanographic volumes, and I fucking love this series. What have I been doing? Not reading this book for so many years. Gorgeous, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Anyways, I've been reading that. That's been great. But let's move on. Let's talk about comics that we're looking forward to reading. Um, everyone, everyone's got picks. Um, so I guess Tia, let's let's go to you. What are you excited for? Yeah, Tia, on the top of your pile. What's well, on the top of your pile? <laughs> uh, so there are a lot of disability advocates pointing out that the official COVID policy of the U.S. government at this point is basically human sacrifice to keep the economy going, like literally yeah, blood sacrifice. That's true. Uh, so I really feel like maybe uh giving a reread to jonathan hickman and tom coker's black monday murders oh, i love that book. which mm-hmm. um i had actually read the first volume like when it came out in 2017 and i didn't realize that the second volume ever came out because I, w- I was like this is really complicated and i'm going to trade weight the second volume and then i just oh, like wow. forgot because you know i am <laughs> yeah bad person but um (laughs) (laughs) no you're not you're just a busy person and mm -hmm. sometimes these things slip through the cracks like it's true massive delays on a comic doesn't help either but yeah (laughs) well i mean it's so intricate and also i'm pretty sure i've i've said this before jonathan hickman knows exactly when and how the world is going to end so maybe (laughs) i think the delays were probably that like he just was still like receiving the transmission (laughs) but um it's 
I have a feeling if I read Black Monday Murders, like I'll 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 know what's happening next. And I also like I don't want to just ambiguously say I'm listening to these many disability advocates. I'm going to specifically name check um, Imani Barbarin on Twitter and TikTok. Uh, she is an incredible advocate for the disab- disability. Um, like not just people who are currently disabled, but she's also been really sounding the alarm on um, COVID as a mass disabling event. If you've heard that phrase, I'm pretty sure she is the first person who, who said it. Oh wow! And so she's been talking a lot about what we, what we should expect and how we can help people. Like she just, she is really doing the work and she created yes. a hashtag, um, hashtag my disabled life is worthy um, in response to the CDC director's like horrific eugenics comments. And that hashtag actually did spark like people, the CDC has met with disability advocacy groups and like, you know, it, there's been a lot of media attention. So um, it's not just reminding me that Black Monday Murders has a second volume. Like, if this is something you're interested in, definitely look for um, Imani Barberin on the internet. Yeah, Thank I love you. her content. Yeah. Um, Henry, what about you? Are you reading anything that's that's either coming out soon or something you're pulling off your shelf that you've been meaning to read for a little while? I'm very lucky um, that I get, you know, get to read a lot of comics for free. And like, I don't know, like when you work in publishing... I think Tia can agree that you're like thinking about 2022 in July. Yeah. You know, (laughs) and you're like, right. (laughs) So you're like kind of reading the future of comics, which is fun. You know, Um, there's this, um, uh, there's a lot of cool stuff coming out, like uh, Agents of Slam, uh, Chef's Kiss by Jarrett Melendez. Um, Mm. There's a lot of cool, like, uh, I mean, the Rick and Morty Dune comic is coming out. And um, I got to like, (laughs) help make a bunch of like cool covers for that for like some specific retailers. So that that's nice. coming out on the first week of February. Um, Cena Grace has a new comic coming out. Oh, um, the um, Rockstar Rock- and Software. Yeah. 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 yeah Cena's looks, been like a really good. good friend to me for a long time. And just like uh, someone who's been very encouraging, even though I sucked and like, you know, like as like a comic book writer or just as some, you know, like it was just, nah. he's always been a really cool dude. And I uh, hope people check that book out because uh, he's like, he just rolls with the times and I'm happy to see him like continuing to do uh, creator own stuff. Definitely. Yeah. I'm, I'm always a fan like of checking out their, like his newest stuff. Like it's always, it's always something interesting, like to say the least. That's yeah, yeah. definitely very excited for that book. Um, well, I guess uh, we got a handful of folks hanging out with us in the Discord today, so I'm going to read off some of their picks. Matt is reading She-Hulk number one. Stephanie's looking forward to reading Criminal Volume 2 and Dawn of X Volume 3. That is a pair. That's a pair of comics <laughs> right there. Uh, Danny's uh, looking forward to Batman the Night number one. Nick is looking forward to Silver Coin number eight. And for me, my next book is not going to be a new book, but something I picked up this weekend. I happen to be in New York cleaning or in, in new york in uh, manhattan cleaning off my desk so i decided to swing over to uh, uh what is it K- kino kunya and uh i grabbed lupin the third greatest hits by monkey punch which is like a collected edition of all of the some of the greatest capers of lupin the third um and since i've never read any lupin the third or watched any of the anime i've only just heard like good things i was like let's fucking let's try this uh so i've got this nice hardcover that i picked up from there um, and I'm very excited to read that. So it's sitting on my shelf and it's just staring me down. It looks a beautiful, beautiful book. Um, so I'm really excited to read that thing. Um, uh, I guess one more thing before we go to the break, I want to remind everybody that if you haven't already, uh, we want you to go fill out the annual IRCB listener survey. Uh, you can go to bit.ly slash IRCB2022, IRCB2022. That's the, the URL at, at, at the end. You can be entered to win a $25 gift card to Comixology or Midtown Comics or really even your local comic shop if you want. If you're, if you're a winner, we'll let you know next week. We're going to announce winners on the show uh, as part of the annual. But go fill that out. Helps us make the show better. Helps us know what you want to see from the show moving forward what you like what you don't like other things on patreon our discord all that stuff we've got a ton of questions um, that you can optionally fill out um, but yeah we really want to hear from you so go do that bit.ly slash ircb2022 look for the link in the show notes as well uh, but yeah we're going to take a quick break and when we come back <laughs> we're talking about the uh the biggest thing on this show ever i've written so many notes uh we're talking about nfts the problems with them kickstarter moving to the blockchain a whole bunch of stuff i'm real excited so we'll be back in just a second 
This week on I Read Comic Books, we're talking about probably a, a very hotly debated topic. I mean, I think it's it's been in the zeitgeist of the comics world, the internet world for a couple of years now. Um, but specifically, we're going to be talking about the problem with NFTs, Kickstarter moving to the blockchain, uh, and essentially giving you guys at home our thoughts from I Read Comic Books about how we feel about NFTs. Um, and so we brought Henry and Tia here to talk about this. So I guess to get things started, I'm going to go through kind of just a high level of what an NFT is for those at home, those of you at home who haven't maybe looked as deep into this as, as maybe I have, uh, and Henry and Tia as well. Um, so NFT stands for non-fungible token, uh, aka a unique ownership record of something in the blockchain. If you're really curious about how what the intricacies of a lot of that is are, you should go to a, a page that we have, uh, pages.ircbpodcast.com. We have a, a sub page called NFT Shitlist uh, that has a lot of explainers about essentially what NFTs are, how they work in the blockchain, how the blockchain works. It goes into a lot of details about that. But essentially what this is, you as a person can put money into the blockchain. You can purchase what's called cryptocurrency. Um, and you can then have ownership of like this this hash number, this digital number, this number that represents a value, and that value can then be used to purchase uh, a receipt to claim ownership over something, um, such as an image or a video or really anything. Right? It's a, it's a pretty novel idea on paper. The idea that you could own own a digital thing seems pretty interesting, and I think when someone says that to you, you go, "Oh snap! I want to get in on that." But essentially, this is just a receipt. It's just an ownership record, right? It's a it's a token that's linked to a digital and sometimes physical content, providing proof of ownership. Like I said, so you get receipt, you get an, a receipt of ownership for a thing. That ownership record gets equated to a value based on speculation, inflation, hype, and all the same reasons why folks want to own a rare physical good. And um, because these receipts are unique, they represent a scarce resource. But ultimately, they are you know when you own that receipt, it gets perpetuated out into the decentralized block blockchain that exists wherever you purchase it. If you bought it with Ethereum or you bought it with Bitcoin or you bought it with sand or you bought it with Dogecoin, whatever you bought this thing with, whatever cryptocurrency you used, the record of that transaction gets placed into the blockchain. The unique record of an ownership and identification gets placed into the blockchain so that everything can get traced back to who actually owns this thing. The, the thing that makes this so interesting to a lot of people is that the the proof of ownership cannot be faked because in order for someone to do that, they would have to modify every record on this decentralized database. So long and short, there is a bit of like security in this. The problem is it comes down to the question of can you truly own like a digital good and what does it mean for someone to create an NFT, which is what's called like minting? And uh, there's a lot of problems with that that, that factor in environmental issues. When you mint something, it, it creates a lot of carbon emissions because of the electricity that's required in order to make sure that those transactions happen, pump out all the data, as well as what mining new tokens come down to. There's, there's a lot of information to this. <laughs> um, and I'm going to continue rambling unless someone stops me. So Tia, Henry... What are your thoughts on this? I guess, what is your background on this? And, and why do we have a problem with this? Because uh, I've, got, I've got pages of notes, but I want to hear your <laughs> thoughts before I get into that. You know, I think the problem is these kids don't know that you could have, we could have done this. Like we were, we've been doing this. Like I've been buying things and owning things online since I was old enough to get on the internet. Now just someone made a, like found a way to make money off that, you know? Definitely. It's really weird. Definitely. I think that anything that could believably have been a storyline for Russ Hanneman coming up with a way to make more money after drinking too much of his tres leches or tres commas, uh, tres leches. I'm my brain dead right now. Just um, <laughs> like, tres commas tequila. Uh -huh. Like when Silicon Valley feels like a documentary, it's time to reevaluate. Like it just kind of feels like we've surpassed satire. Like what Henry said, like what is, what's really novel about this is that there's people making money from it in a new way and you always have to follow the money and it usually doesn't ever point you to anything good right there, there is something that is that is inherently broken in this entire process of of nft minting and inflation and pricing and all this other stuff right so you take this idea of say i want to sell you know a, a picture that i drew in my ipad on my ipad to somebody and they want to be the person that says i own 
this thing. Like I have this unique record that says that I own this thing. Problem is when I put that thing on the internet, I have to pay for the cost or I have to uh, upfront the costs for minting the the token based on the image size and the, the the essentially unique hex value or unique value that gets generated based on saying, okay, here's the image, here's the exact, you know, cryptonomical representation of this image that gets put in the blockchain. Here is the proof that was that created this uh this unique identifier someone can buy access to that and then we have to put into the database like here's someone's proof of ownership at any time they make a transaction to buy it or sell it or or do whatever with it relist it somewhere all of these things take time and energy um and more so than other electronic transactions if only because the the receipt building and the, the the number crunching that needs to be done in order to support this entire database mechanism to generate all this hash all these hashes and process these things to make sure that oh yes this cryptonomically can be processed and yes this person when they made the transaction that's the actual value that we're trying to process itself a ton of math needs to be done on um, graphical processing units right you probably hear about folks buying GPUs and then plugging them into server farms and stuff. Um, that's all done to not only mine new values in the Ethereum blockchain or Bitcoin blockchain or whatever to take a little bit of profit off of that, but also to process the validation side of any transaction that happens as you get updates to the decentralized database. It's so crazy how complicated this is just to prove ownership records. And again, there is like a security level that is totally valid, but the offset of that, of the energy uses is just not there. And to Henry's point, like we've been doing this for years. You buy copies of games from Steam all the time, or you get you little unique identifiers from Steam that say, oh, you got this trading card thing and it's worth seven cents or something on the Steam market. But we've been doing this for years. The difference is that this is, it's not decentralized and one company owns it. But I don't know, folks are claiming that NFTs are like the future when buying copies of unique images and stuff is pretty tough because at the end of the day, digital assets are inherently not unique to the benefit of everybody. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm, I'm go- pulling my hair out over here just thinking about this <laughs> thing. I'm sorry. Well, I, I think that that is the really like interesting aspect of it and i say interesting with like a lot of contempt the concept of authenticity in this entire thing is is a performance for other people that in a way kind of undermines itself yeah yeah it does it this is a very complex thing to discuss like i don't think people understand how complex this is we're like there's just a lot of moral questions you have to ask when you enter this space i mean I'm going to be frank, like somebody offered me $10,000 to write a single comic for a Bitcoin company. Huh. And I don't know if you know how much a comic book writer makes in comics. Um, $10,000 for a single issue is a lot of money for like what would be a couple like, you know, what you what however long it would take you to write a script. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like I was very tempted. You know, and, and the people that are for this are artists because they're fine. You're finding opportunities that pay more money than like I've ever been offered to do comics. And I have to pay myself. I use Kickstarter, which is like one of the biggest things that's like impacting me is Kickstarter's name is not what it used to be because of this. Mm-hmm. And that's how I made my money. And I'd be lucky if I were to make $10,000 on some on like on a project. So the people that are for this are benefiting that I think like artists. And that's what I've noticed the most is people who are making a lot of money drawing and selling their artwork. And I think that is kind of why it's still around because, you know, there are people benefiting just from the people that are the same people that are benefiting are also losing. I think, yeah, like it's unsustainable by nature because any solution that leaves behind the vulnerable is just feeding the cycle and really hastening its inevitable collapse. Like just because you found a way personally to like climb some people to get a little higher on the food chain, I just, you know, eventually when it collapses at the bottom, it's going to take you with it. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, and you know, the, the thing that, that really bothers me about this is there are the, the these one-off cases or handfuls of cases of people saying like, oh, I sold this thing for $50,000, you know, in Ethereum, right? Um, and, or, you know, making, making a lot of money in one or two or a handful of different pieces, which encourages hundreds or thousands of other artists to say, hey, maybe I can make $50,000, right? It's, a, it's like a money-making scheme of, oh, one person hit the lottery, so I might as well play the lottery every day, right? The... The difference between playing the lottery every day and creating an NFT is that the ramifications of creating a single NFT are so detrimental in comparison to buying a single lottery ticket. <laughs> like, I they're, feel they're, like it's... Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, go ahead, go ahead. I feel like it's um, like LuLaRoe leggings for Joe Rogan enthusiasts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it kind of is, right? Like it's an MLM is what the, it is. It, it fe- so here's the thing. It, it's, it doesn't follow like a traditional MLM structure, but it feels the exact same, right? You, you get to hear these stories about one-off people making a ton of money, right? Like the thing that fucking broke my brain was hearing that Steve Aoki and, and Todd McFarlane created an NFT or in the process of creating some sort of spawn NFT. And who's going to benefit from that? It's fucking Todd McFarlane, Steve Aoki, because like they're the ones at the top. The people who are buying this shit aren't actually going to benefit because at the end of the day, the only reason these things have value is because they're inflated by other people. And the whole process I mean, of making NFTs and selling them is to just find the next person who's you can dupe into paying a little bit more than that you is yeah, the exactly. comic book right? industry in a nutshell. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. It though. is the comic book industry in a nutshell. People are buying variant covers. So oh, they can God, get CGC'd yeah. so they can sell for more money. Like, yeah. this is a collector's thing. And and that's why this I th- am very confident this is not going away. And this is only going to become bigger and bigger sure. um, because it is capitalism. And until, like, here's our chance to get rid of capitalism in a certain way. Are you going to be <laughs> for it or against it? You because eventually you just get eaten up by it. And there's nothing you can do. And you have to use Venmo and, and Dogecoin. And now people are getting like their taxes are being, uh, you, I mean, like Venmo and all these companies are like releasing tax information because, you know, you, there's no way for for this to not work. You know, like it, that's just like what I'm afraid of. And that's what yeah, is happening. Yeah. And w- given what we know about this like certain style of, you know, financial sustainability, like here's a chance to maybe kill it. But if not, I don't know. There's a great quote from Stardust, which of course was written by like the anti Todd McFarlane, uh, Neil Gaiman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, when I was very young, somebody, maybe it was a squirrel, they talk so much or a magpie or maybe a fishy told me that Pan owned all this forest. Well, not owned, owned, not like he would sell the forest to someone else or put a wall around it. It's not hard to own something or everything. You just have to know it's yours and then be willing to let it go. To me, that gets to the heart of this, which is that it is not about the thing. It is about the performance of ownership, which Mm -hmm. is white supremacy. The end. Yeah. Yeah. There you Uh go. I was going to say, this is, I mean, it's so funny to see this all come back to that. (laughs) Capitalism is is patriarchal white supremacy. And that is like, you can't boil it down. And that's where, that's where the buck stops. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's, it is, I don't know. It's just that it, the thing that is the most frustrating part of me is the thing, you know, the point that I I think I just made a minute ago is the whole point of it is, is like duping people. Right. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's tricking them Power into spending them. their money. And whoever the person who ends up on top is usually like, is usually someone who has like an insider or they are I, th- one of the many reports that I've seen on NFTs. And again, I'm sure some NFT bro could come back, come back at me about this. But like, there have been multiple claims of people creating separate Ethereum wallets to just pump up the price of their, their NFT on OpenSea or wherever you buy, uh, you know, NFTs just for the sake of seeing, oh no, this thing spiked, it must be worth something and people are buying it just for the speculation side of it, right? And that is comics. Um, and that is comics. Mm-hmm. And that is this this whole thing that's all just trying to dupe people out of money so that one person can end up on top. Um, and yeah, capitalism in a nutshell, white supremacy in a nutshell. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, it's, it's weird. It's publishing. 
It's, yeah. it's, I mean, that's what you're basically doing is can you get you, can I get you to buy this book instead of that? Book? Yeah. And part of me really wonders if this is specifically happening now because publishing, especially comic books, is starting to be more inclusive. People are starting to ask for ways that we can disrupt this, like, vicious capitalist cycle, make more room for other people. And this just to me reeks of the old guard bros taking their dolls, which um, that's what we're going to call them, their G.I. Joe dolls and going home and like shifting, Mm -hmm. you know, the goalposts. And but really and they think that they're solving a, a problem for everyone, but they're taking the problems with them that affect the vulnerable. And they're basically just putting it on a top shelf so nobody can do anything about it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's rich people. It's folks with a lot of money saying, hey, here's a new way for you to also be rich like me, wink, wink. And it's just them stealing a little bit more off the top, you know? Um, I mean, and this isn't even to mention the amount of piracy and stealing of art that's happening right oh, now, yeah. right? Yes. Like, what is it? R.J. Palmer, I think, is their name. Like, they they made a ton of art has been stolen from them off of Twitter and turned into to NFTs without their permission, and people are making money off of it. Right? I know because- someone who tweeted a joke about the Kardashians, and the mm-hmm. Kardashians turned her tweet into an NFT. <laughs> that is what the yeah i mean sure it, it it's it's absurd because there is this there's this thing that i think everybody in in the western society at least in the united states right loves to cling to and we also hate it at the same time which is copyright and ownership right yeah we want to be able to argue oh well this is my thing i created it therefore but like these the nft folks don't seem to care about that they don't seem to care about the creator and i saw this extremely poignant tweet recently about this someone said you know the funniest thing about all the nft art speculation and discussion is that no one talks about who created the nft who created the art for the nft like it's always the price it's always the person yeah. who's selling it it's never the person who actually created the physical art itself or the digital art itself i guess and i i 100 believe that like i don't know who created this the weird monkey thing if you've seen those nfts of just like weird monkeys like whoever created that original thing i have no idea who it is all i know is that everyone keeps reusing it to create their own quote-unquote unique version of this thing that they can sell whether you're eminem or chance the rapper or whoever like who are also buying into this but this is this falls into the this whole idea of pump and dump where you get a lot of people hyped up about something to throw their money at a thing and then the person at the top just runs away we've been seeing this with like brand new cryptocurrencies all across the united states of like in or all across the web where influencers start to plug a specific cryptocurrency and then once they get a bunch of people buying it they sell all their shares make the money and everyone's just left with valueless cryptocurrency you see this with nfts as well you get huge bidding wars of people who want to buy or sell a thing and then they 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 pull back on the on the 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 auction or they just the money just doesn't show up it's it's a whole thing and i the cryptocurrency bidding wars is a whole of the discussion but like uh i just i get so fired up i love to see it i'm so all over the place of this because it makes me so frustrated because at the end of the day isn't this supposed to be about valuing art right if i know we're putting a monetary dollar value or a you know ethereum value or money laundering yeah i mean Exactly. Exactly. But you know what the but the, the the fine art market has always had a a sort of I don't know corruption. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Like that's this, always been a component of the fine art market. Oh yeah. This is the point I really wanted to get to with you. Like, cause just having you on the episode, Tia, is this isn't a new idea, right? Henry, you sound familiar with this as well. Like, this isn't a new thing to like overhype something just for the sake of selling it at auction and at extremely high prices right so actually like no this is to a t and what you were talking about with like ripping off someone's art and like copies and like who owns the authentic one and blah 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 like there was a one time in history a plot to uh steal the mona lisa and like make a bunch of forgeries and then sell all the forgeries because anyone who bought one of the forgeries could never have it appraised or like show it to anybody so uh-huh. how would they ever know that they didn't have the real one and there's i i can't remember the name of the documentary now but there's a really good documentary about this art forger who like donated a bunch of forgeries to all these museums and they pat like they were authenticated and like 
you know, displayed yeah. and, and they're not sure how to prosecute him exactly because <laughs> he didn't, you know, make any money. You're not allowed to look at art again. But just like court dismissed. You know, yeah, like the problem of authenticity and value and ownership and who benefits from the buying and selling of art. There are there are there was an artist in the 19th century who believed that he owned his art even after people bought it from him and that they should give it back to him <laughs> when they like died or something like like, like wow. And there's uh, there are a lot of art historians who look at the way that like, you know, um people would buy art from artists and then later on sell it for, you know, like enormous profit that the and the artist never benefited from that. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, in, oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, I mean, one of the um one of the things that I discovered, and this was thanks to my friends on Facebook, <laughs> but uh, Marley Zarcone, um, am I saying oh, yeah. that last name correctly? Shade, Zarcone? right? They wrote huh? Shade, the Changing Girl? Yeah. Or, mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think you got it right. Amazing artist. And uh, she posted an article that was about the uh, what's going on in Kazakhstan. Yeah, And there's like a whole political like up- upheaval and like there's you know, the government shut down the internet. And when they shut down the internet, they shut down one of the biggest Bitcoin mining farms. And that hurt the currency so bad. It's 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 pretty interesting that your currency is dependent on if the Wi-Fi is on or not. But also, didn't it <laughs> contribute to like the massive energy crisis that caused a lot of the civil unrest in yes. Kazakhstan anyway? Yes. So like, it's just bad. It's just bad, guys. It, Don't. A, you, there is a lot of it. moral questions you have to ask yourself. And, mm-hmm. you know, we have a lot of like, we do a lot of compromising. You know, I buy Starbucks cups. You know, I have my computer plugged in longer than I probably should. I still drive a gasoline car. You know, there's just like, as someone who's like, who's raised Catholic and just has all this Catholic guilt, you know, there's just like, you're just always feeling guilty. And what can you feel a little more guilty, you know? But like the good place, I think, addressed this really well, right? Yes, definitely. And so like that's what's me- beautiful about that show. I know yeah, that, I show that show rules. Maybe we can't structurally change the fact that we need cars and computers and all of that, but we can not create new ways to fuck everybody exactly. over. Right. Yeah. Well, like there there's an article that I, I read recently about this, uh, like specifically around like energy issues, right? Where Folks have moved to New York. Uh, I don't remember if the city or if it was the state. Uh, and I'll, I'll put a link to this in the show notes where they, because electricity is pretty cheap in the state of New York in comparison to other places, uh, they, them moving to the state to mine Bitcoin and Ethereum and all the other various c- cryptocurrencies drove up electricity prices to the point where it's like six degrees here in New York uh, or in the East Coast and folks can't afford to keep their electricity on to keep their houses warmed. Like, it's absurd because that's that's like the state that we live in, where a, a single mined Bitcoin or single mined Ethereum coin uses the same amount of energy as like a regular your average American household uses in an entire year, right? Mm. Just to mine one of those things, and that energy usage can happen in a week. You know, it's it's absurd, and, and that's like part of the problem here is is the environmental impact and the amount of electricity used to create this thing that no one is sure will be consistent or will exist in the future and i'm being a little bit uh i think hyperbolic when i say will it exist Uh, clearly it will in some capacity at this point there's a staying power of this thing but i don't think that what we've used cryptocurrency for what folks have been using it for is what was originally intended i think like the creator of bitcoin regrets even inventing it in the first place i think he said that publicly wow Um, yeah i've seen that that sucks but if you look at the like the value of things right if we're trying to say like well how how can we we put the value on something of sorry i'm i'm kind of meandering here but like i did want to make this point at what at when we were talking about value it like the instability of these cryptocurrencies and therefore the value and price of of these nfts that you put on the blockchain that are only valued based on the amount of you know uh, cryptocurrency that you purchase it with and sell it for varies like 10 to 15% in a two week period imagine if the us dollar varied 10 to 15% over two weeks, like the cost of goods, it's 
is is unbelievable it wouldn't be stable your grocery store would be having to change the price of like a box of cheerios like every week by a dollar or two up and down you know it's insane um i don't know i just like i i get a little bit like lost in the sauce on all of this because there are so many things that say to me this is bad and this contributes to an overall negative impact on what I you know I feel like the world has the potential to avoid it like we're people are choosing to do this thing because it's a get rich quick scheme but the impact of it isn't just like monetary loss it's like environmental impact and people putting their entire savings into this stuff that is ultimately devastating and is impacting just beyond themselves um and that's the thing that kills me is like this is you buying an nft could mean that someone in upstate new york can't afford their electricity this month like think about that weird fucking butterfly effect exactly i mean that's why cgc is so big you know like uh, jay-z's like company bought cgc like they're soon going to be selling albums just i mean uh, i'm only speculating but they're going to package exactly their media, just like how we've been doing it. You know, you, you could sell us action comics, number one for $3 million. Mm-hmm. There's so much like original art. There's so much like money right now in comics with it being physical or digital, which is pretty interesting. So yeah, I'm, I'm very curious and I'm just always reading more about it and, and, and trying to figure out who's really benefiting. And uh, it's, it's really interesting. Something that I think is going to become part of the conversation as this plays out a little bit more is there's almost certainly going to be a backlash against the concept of like digital authenticity. We've seen this before in in history. Um, there's a really dense book called No Place of Grace, Anti-Modernism and the Transformation of American Culture. It's by um, T.J. Jackson Lears. And it basically talks about like American culture at the end of the 19th century and how like elites felt very uh, I don't know, like, like the, the like increasing capitalism and modernism, like really picked up steam during that time. And there was mm-hmm. this like inward turn back towards like medieval, you know, like the pre-Raphaelites were part of this, right? Like, and like handicrafts and, and um, quote unquote, like authentic spiritual experience and sensory experience and all of this. And so I, I actually think that there will be an interesting backlash against NFTs and crypto and all of this being like existing in the digital world. And I really would caution people to learn from history because basically what this book says is that by um, like the way that these people sort of rejected modernism, it, it sort of solidified their um, cultural hegemony and really left behind um, like working class people, poor people, like it was basically just a movement for elites that served to kind of shore up their eliteness. And so mm-hmm. I think and we kind of touched on this, like, like Henry, you talked about being offered $10,000 to like write this book or, you know, and so I think that if we're going to reject NFTs and crypto and all of this, we really have to find a way to do it in a way that brings everybody with us. Right. 100% agree. And it's, it's not as much like I can sit here and scream into a microphone all day. Like Alex Jones gets paid way too much money to do that, right? Um, I, I think there really has to be a societal, like cultural rejection of this. And I think we're seeing that in some ways. But for some reason, we're still seeing big names like Marvel and DC have all minted a shitload of different yeah. things. Like you can own original copies or digital copies of, you know, these classic Marvel comic books or something like that. And DC's done a whole thing. Heidi uh, McDonald over at Comics Beat wrote a wonderful article. Of, uh, I think it was late last year. It was titled, I own two DC NFTs and this is what it feels like. And like the conclusion, <laughs> the conclusion of her article is basically like, I don't feel like I actually own this thing. It's no different than owning a digital trading card. I can't really do anything with it, you know? And I know there are people out there who are, maybe, maybe you're listening to this, you're probably not, um, who are screaming, well, you know, people are saying that you can buy different, like, skins and different things for for video games and you can use them across different games and stuff. Like, that idea is so wonderful on paper, right? But the actual interoperability of this type of stuff is 
unfeasible, right? To think that you could buy a skin in Fortnite and then use it in Minecraft or to buy a comic book on this blockchain thing and then read it in this digital comic book reader. No, nobody's doing that. We could we could do that without blockchain and companies are refusing to do that already, right? There are tons and tons of opportunities of this, but to get companies like Amazon to get on board with that, to read digital comics and Marvel and DC and, and to get like, you know, humble bundle to create a version of something that can be read across different applications. It's tough enough as it is. Like I can barely get a PDF reader for my digital comic books, let alone my blockchain copy of action comics. Number one that I can read in the comiXology reader and in my PDF reader and in panels from, from subs like we're, it's just not going to happen, right? Like as somebody who lives and breathes and works in technology, you have to get all these companies to agree on something and it's just not going to happen because like they can't even we can't even agree on drm for for getting things to work like i somehow the movies anywhere company tapped into some unknown fucking ether by signing a blank check to amazon and disney and everybody else out there um to say hey if somebody buys a, a movie on apple um they can now watch it on their roku tv for some reason and it plays through the hbo app i don't know how all that shit works but Somehow they made that happen. And that took literal decades to happen. Uh, if you're talking about how can I get Minecraft owned by Microsoft to agree with Epic Games, who also has a deal with Apple, like you're talking incomprehensible amount of things. And we're not even talking about comic books. Like comic books is even an even nicher experience with technology that's so bad. It's a detriment to readers and creators alike. I can't even imagine someone finding a way to unify all of those systems in a digital um, front let alone you can't even get the physical fucking world to agree on anything right like diamonds falling apart uh, what is it penguin random house is falling apart no one can do anything right it's making everyone's lives harder who is this great unifier bring us the savior of comics to make things work i just don't understand it like the mentality is great and it is it is high reaching and it is hopeful but it just it's not there. And so we have to be realistic about this and find ways to enjoy the art that we pay for and the things that we want to have quote unquote ownership of without destroying the fucking world through environmental impact, you know? <sighs> All right, I gotta that get off like this soapbox. I'm, I'm that melting. Felt like so a mic drop in, in two ways, like a mic drop, <laughs> but also like Mike just fell on the floor exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> like it dropped itself. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, there's like, there's so many things that just don't, don't work about this and i just don't understand why people are investing in it other than to get rich quick right it's it's just a ponzi scheme it's just an mlm like if you look beyond just the surface of it it's so glaringly obvious um i just don't understand it that's where my my final conclusion comes down to i guess yeah you said it yeah <laughs> I'm so, Plus one. I'm so, thank you guys so much for um for dealing with me um on this episode. Um, I guess Tia Henry, do you guys have any final thoughts? I guess before we wrap up here, I've said all I can say. <laughs> thank you. Decolonize comics. Fuck yeah. yes, absolutely. Uh, well, I guess before we go, then Henry, uh, where can people find you on the internet? Where can they read your comic books? What do you have going on? Um, I'm very lucky that I was on uh, NPR's All Things Considered. Whoa this last monday so um, please look that up producer janaki uh, meta and uh and mia were really cool and they like just did this really they made this really like possible and uh it became it uh, the coverage had led the book to being a amazon amazon time um amazon bestseller for image comics like category uh in like the third and fourth slot or four, fourth and fifth slot. So, but I hope people are able to support my comics through their comic book shops and, uh, or local bookstores or libraries. Um, you can find me at all those places. And, uh, but yeah, I'm Henry Barajas on Twitter, Henry J Barajas on Instagram and don't go to Facebook because I'm never there unless <laughs> I'm asking to buy NFTs. <laughs> that's the, the best place to have that conversation i guess <laughs> yeah if you want to talk about nfts go to facebook <laughs> <laughs> yeah wear, wear a hard hat <laughs> yeah that's that's great um well next week's show is going to be like i said at the top of the episode uh me karen nick and paul it's our annual number seven if you want to send us an email or send us a voicemail for the episode tell us about your favorite bits of the last year of irie comic books or ask us a, a question anything and pretty much everything goes so send it over to us at ircb 
podcast at gmail.com. Um, we'd love to hear from you guys. We really, really would. And make sure you fill out the listener survey, bit.ly slash IRCB2022. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter. You can follow Tia at Portrait of Madam X to spell the, the fun French way. You can follow me at Mike Rappin, and you can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at IRCB Podcast. This episode first aired on Patreon and is possible because of our wonderful patrons. Join today for exclusive series like IRCB Movie Club, Saga of Saga, and more. You can join at patreon.com slash IRCB podcast. And if you haven't already, please rate and review our show, Gorgeous Gorgeous Girls, give us five stars <laughs> on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts, because we deserve it. We are spectacular. Join the IRCB Discord community to chat comics and listen to our episodes live as we record every week, just like today's episode. Uh, there's a link to our Discord in the show notes. Uh, podcasts grow best when spread by word of mouth, so why not tell your friends and family in your, or your local comic shop about IRCB? We'd really appreciate that. That word of mouth goes pretty far. Uh, Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music. Xander is a very cool guy who edits our show. It makes us sound fantastic every single week. I want to say thank you to Henry and Tia for being on this episode. Thank you to everyone who hung out with us in the Discord channel. You guys are wonderful human beings. And until next time, comics are good, and so are you. Yeah.